You're listening to Fueling the Future of Transport, hosted by Tammy Klein, the founder and CEO of Transport Energy Strategies. We'll talk all about the fuels and energy it takes to keep the world moving forward. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm really pleased to have with me today Anders Korsgaard. Anders is CEO and co-founder of Blue World Technologies. Anders, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. So for the listeners, let's let's get right into it. I was super excited to have um, Anders on the show today because Methanol to me is like the visa commercial. It's everywhere you want to be. Um, methanol is, you know, I don't know if I'd say it's enjoying a resurgence, um, but I think methanol is sort of being uh, rediscovered and its um, various applications um, are exciting. So we're talking everything from shipping to fuel cells and e-fuels and points beyond. So I really want to explore with producers and technology producers what's happening. How did they get involved in the space just to give everyone listening sort of a little bit of background. And that's why I'm excited to have Anders uh, with us today. So for the listeners who may not be familiar, can you talk uh, to us about Blue World Technologies, uh, what it does. Um, you're a, a co-founder of this company. You have a lot of experience working in new energy technologies. So tell us about the company. Why methanol? Yeah. Thank you for the introduction. Yes, methanol is a, is a great fuel. We, I, I've been working with that for the last, say, 15, 20 years. Uh, it's my second company I found uh, within this space. Uh, the reason why we work with methanol is, of course, that it's the simplest alcohol available, uh, available uh, also uh, simplest uh, hydrocarbon, if you will. So it only contains one carbon, to put it uh, physically. And that means that it's quite efficient, the most efficient, uh, actually, to produce synthetically and also to convert back into electricity with a fuel cell or with a combustion engine or whatever. And, and that's really sort of the core of why. The second uh, reason is, of course, that it's liquid. And that's the fundamental part. So unlike gaseous e-fuels, it, uh, it's super easy to set up infrastructure. So the, the market barriers are far lower. And it actually has the uh, advances that it can be used in combustion engines, which is basically our competitor, our competing technologies compare to combustion engines. Uh, engines. But in, in this case, they are actually uh, our enabler as well. Because without methanol being able to be used in existing energy conversion devices, such as combustion engines, it's very difficult to get the heat and the egg result. And that's the beauty of methanol, right? So you can transport it like you do with uh, oil or diesel gasoline. Uh, you can use it in combustion engines like you do with diesel and gasoline. You, but you can also uh, get it from a renewable source that could either be bio or from electricity, uh, which is the future, of course. And you can also use it in fuel cells, of course, being far more efficient than a combustion engine to use it uh, with, with a fuel cell. And that's the reason why we're here. 
Um, previously, I also sort of um, explained this as sort of the, the, the bridge between, uh, between our past and the future, so our fossil past to our renewable future, uh, where, where, where methanol enables uh, sort of an, an evolution uh, instead of a revolution. And revolutions are always takes a lot of bets, uh, commercial bets uh, in the trillions of a euro <laughs> if you go the yeah. wrong direction. But 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 with methanol, it's sort of you can take it step by step uh, and sort of convert the, the world to, uh, to CO2 neutral, uh, yeah, as a in a in a step by step manner. So, what's been the company's progress since you founded the company in in 2018? Especially, talk to us about the Blue Alberg factory, um, and also where do you see the company going in the next uh, ten years? Yeah, so 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 in Blue World, as I said before, many of us uh, has been working uh, in this space for for a couple of decades. Uh, we are quite experienced team and also founders. I'm actually not the only founders, so we are three. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but basically, what has been lacking in terms of the, uh, leveraging this kind of fuel cell technology that is so efficient to work with methanol, by the way, has been uh, proper industrialization. So we actually found a blue world sort of in the second or third or fourth gear, so to speak, because we really knew that in order for this, all the visions to materialize, we needed to industrialize the technology. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the first four years actually acquiring technology. We actually acquired a technology company sort of that, that have been working with this technology for more than 20 years. We, uh, we did some a, a lot of innovations ourselves within the manufacturability and also efficiency improvements. And then we built up a factory uh, in uh, in just four years from uh, from the outset, and uh, and uh, raised uh, a larger two two digit million euro amount to, the, to to be able to execute that. So we have been very fast off the ground, at least uh, as to European standards. We moved uh, fairly quickly. And uh, and I was sort of ready ready with our base, uh, and that is the factory. So the cell factory, uh, where we make our, our uh, the, the the raw how should I say components for the fuel cell stack. So that's a good stepping stone. Next will basically be to, to scale it into different uh, application areas uh, and and sort of leverage that uh, the, this technology uh, into different verticals. So. What do you see as so we 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 that sort of leads me into you know questions about the the applications you know what do you see as the most promising markets for methanol fuel fuel cells I mean does one market stand out to you um, as particularly promising over another and then how do you see these markets evolving over the the next uh 10 years especially for e-fuels e-fuels is uh there's a lot of activity that's heated up seemingly quickly um in the e-fuel space yeah yeah so uh when we look long term uh definitely there's a lot of electrification that's going on that has to go on so uh, that means that battery te- technology is the thing. We're not trying to argue that uh, the batteries uh, will, uh, is just a, an intermediate step. It's, it's definitely direct electrification is the most efficient u- utilization of uh, renewable energy, uh, wind, solar, solar whatever. 
but but there's certain areas where where it's not the most efficient uh, how should I say uh, use uh, as an energy carrier and in particular if you start in one end where it's definitely not fuel cells if you take something like a scooter uh, of course uh, that's that, that that has to be di- directly electrified uh, that there's no need for a fuel cell here and then the other end of the space is probably maritime or aviation, right? Uh, those will be, it will be completely impossible to decarbonize uh, the ocean going vessels where, where, where with a recharged uh, container ship, uh, you know, battery based uh, container ship. So, 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 so we know for a fact that e fuels has to dominate uh, the, the, the ocean going traffic, uh, essentially. Uh, and, and and this is responsible for three or three and a half percent of the global greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, so this is definitely where we see uh, where methanol uh, methanol now also taking a, a leading role. Uh, we see many of the big container ship operators uh, and also uh, bulk energy carriers and so forth starting yeah. to work with methanol as as a, as a primary candidate. Yeah, uh, there are other candidates as well, but it's probably going to uh, the battle is between ammonia and uh, methanol. Uh, I, I think uh, hydrogen is not pr- much on the radar these days because it's 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 far too bulky and too difficult to bunker and so forth. Yeah. So so it's between the two, and 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 basically methanol stands out as uh, as the easiest candidate to work with uh, because it's liquid. It can be more or less the same infrastructure on the ship. It can be the same engines. Uh, bunkering facilities, etc. Uh, the biggest issue for methanol is essentially the question that we often get: Is there enough biogenic CO2? Mm. So that is, if we is there? To decarbon- Sorry, is there? <laughs> there's plenty. Uh, of course, there's uh, about uh, 400 ppm and uh, ppm and beyond in the air at the moment. Uh, it's it's quite expensive to capture it at the moment. Uh, that price will come down over time, but 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 what we are looking into today is more concentrated resources. So that will be the first stepping stone, be it from biogas, be it from municipality waste, uh, forest residues, and so forth. That's that that's sort of where biogenic CO two will start. That's the cheapest sources. Looking a little bit ahead. Uh, and, and and as I said before, direct air capture is under development. Where that price will end. Uh, we are talking many hundreds of euro per ton, or dollars per ton. Uh, uh, that will come down where it will end. Uh, I think there's a lot of guessing going on, uh, but but definitely if you go below uh, below 100 euro per ton, then we are lo- looking at something where you can make e-fuel or methanol that is probably going to be a little bit price premiumed uh, compared to, uh, to, 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 to to diesel, for instance, or marine gas oil. Uh, and if we come significantly below 100 euro per ton, then it's a, a much bigger, uh, how should I say, penetration. Now, what we can do with fuel cells, mm-hmm. and unlike combustion engines, is that we don't need to uh, dilute the CO2 uh, that comes out of the fuel cell uh, with air. Uh, and that's uh, that's really a new thing. So essentially, what comes out of our fuel cell systems for the maritime space is pure CO2. You don't need to wash it with amines or something like that. There's no complicated process. So we can actually recycle that CO2 and send back to port. And that will be highly valuable in the future. So CO2 at the moment, biogenic CO2 or green CO2 is sitting at a price level of about 100 to 150 euro per ton at the moment. Maybe it will come down a bit, but that's sort of the order of magnitude. If we can produce 
uh, CO2 uh, out of the fuel cell that it already has a biogenic uh, origin and ship it back to port, it will be highly valuable in the future, seen from a business case perspective. So that is one of the things, that, and, and, and so if you really think fuel cells into the big picture, and I'm talking propulsion of ship ship, yeah. then that biogenic CO2 issue will actually not be, be a problem because we're recycling CO2 continuously. Even we may be able to make a carbon negative because we can uh, pump the CO2 underground, right? So, so we are actually purifying uh, the, 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 the air for, for CO2 as you are sailing. So to speak. So, so that's uh, that's really one of the things. When, when you're looking into other segments, sort of more like heavy duty, so that could yeah. be trucking buses, something similar. You could envision something similar, at least for the bigger applications. If you're down to small vehicles and so forth, it would be difficult to envision that you recycle the CO2. But then you simply just have pay the price, right? So, uh, so, so you 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 don't need the benefit of, of getting that uh, CO2 recycling. But I think that's that's the way at least I see the future, is that CO2 is a commodity that will be traded. And biogenic CO2 will be more expensive than uh, fossil CO2. So fossil CO2 just needs to be pumped on, uh, underground anyhow. So, yeah. Do you see, um, I mean, like, what would a time frame be like? Do you see the coming of a biogenic CO2 traded market in beginning to form and coalesce, not be fully, you know, created, but beginning to coalesce within five years, 10 years, it's, 15 it, years. It's, 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 it's already here. Yeah. So essentially, if you have a green CO2, so uh, if, if you are a producer of, let's say, ethanol today, mm -hmm. you have CO2 as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. That can actually be sold and pumped underground, and it's already being do done so. So actually, you make a negative footprint, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and large corporates are actually paying uh, to get those uh, CO2 credits, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, already. So it's already a business case, and that business case is sitting at about 100 to 150 euro per ton. Uh, so, uh, and that will just increase and increase uh, in size that market, basically to offset CO2 in other markets. Uh, so, uh, so, so, so I think, and you already have the CO2 credits that are sort of being be, being traded more, and not, not physically, but but sort of more uh, um, uh, politically, how should I say, uh, on the market today. So, so, so it, it is it is a thing. And uh, and it, it uh, and it will definitely be uh, and much bigger market in the next five ten years. That's for sure. So I want to bring in the policies here. So from your perspective, are the policies that are expected to be implemented in the EU fit for fifty five, for example, or repower EU, and then the US? through the Inflation Reduction Act, um, are they enough to really support the growth of this market? I guess, you know, I should ask for biogenic CO2, but also for um, renewable methanol and its various applications. And if not, what more should be done uh, in your view? So I think the biggest bottleneck in uh, just not only for methanol, but 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 more in general for the green transition uh, that we're looking into in Europe is actually the permits 
you know, how long time does it take to get the permits to put up windmills yeah. and how many birds will be whatever. Uh, and, 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 and that's, I know that just, I think it was yesterday or the, uh, or the day before there was new proposal at, uh, at least coming out for how to make those approvals faster. Yeah. This is really the bottleneck. The market is able to do a lot. Right now, for instance, in Denmark, we are discussing how much should a company pay to put up windmills in the in the North Sea to to pay for the area, uh, like just like they paid for uh, for the for the for the oil wells in the past. Then you have to pay a, a certain fee. So those things needs to really materialize so you can get the market going for green electricity because green ele- electricity is the fun- uh, fundamental part here right we need to get more solar we need to get more wind we maybe even need to get more nuclear or whatever uh, but we need to get a lot of these sources and the approval processes are happening way too slow at the moment in particular you you, you I, I don't know too much about north america but i know this is a big problem discussion. yeah um so this is really what the politicians can really change and then you 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 will see the market react quite fast uh if you get the approval processes uh, sort of resolved second when we're talking e-fuels in general i think we should look more on uh, from a more technology neutral perspective yeah so uh, really define what is uh how does a renewable fuel look like and 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 not for the governments or the policies it's trying to pick the winners uh, to 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 make the market more active here uh, and here I'm, i could be joking between hydrogen methanol ammonia you know the different e fuels that are out there uh, not so much dictated by picking a winner but but sort of just making sure that the incentives uh, incentives are are the, are, are the same even you know against you know direct use of electricity, I think the market can can, can work out, out a lot of these issues, provided that uh, renewable electricity is cheap enough, uh, the permissions goes fast enough, and then you will see with uh, both the repower EU and the the, the, the IRA uh, basically a lot of in, in, in incentives going up out there to build up large power to X factories, so hydrogen production. Uh, or methanol production, uh, but 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 I think that's sort of the second point. And then last not least, uh, that's maybe more like a general comment. I think I think, and I hope that's also why we will see e-fuels on the rise here. Uh, that, that 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 we also are purchasing energy security by having yeah. e-fuels, right? Uh, be it hydrogen, methanol, or whatever. Uh, but but to be in a situation where we only have intermittent power production and a short-term battery storage uh, for an hour or a couple of days, you know, it's not a way to secure our society against yeah. force majeure. And I, I don't think I need to point far east from Denmark to 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 to, to illustrate what I'm talking about. You know, taking out power lines or whatever could, in a society that's fully electrified, only direct charging could be a. a, a huge issue that would paralyze the society if um, a power line was taken out, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to think in, you know, that power to X and e-fuels are also a way of actually making the society more resilient. Do you think that there is, I mean, it, it seems to me from following Europe as an analyst, you know, that the commission, or at least there are people within the commission that aren't really that jazzed about um, or excited about 
e-fuels. I mean, certainly not for transport, maybe for, you know, maybe for other applications. Um, and do you think that that's, you know, to me, it presents a problem because it seems to me that, you know, all of these things increasingly are interlinked. In this conversation, we're talking about shipping fuel, we're talking about methanol, we're talking about biogenic CO2. You brought up the connection to ethanol, um, the connection to heavy duty trucking. But then when you look at the um, proposed regulations, like, okay, banning the internal combustion engine, which is a potential market source and scale up area for heavy duty as well for um, for e-fuels. And so, you know, does that have ancillary effects in terms of not just the energy security concerns, but the ability to grow the market overall? So if you put e-fuels in that market, it sort of grows the, the overall market. But now you're, you know, preparing potentially to ban both cars and trucks on this on this side. And it's like these these technologies are like boxed up in these regulations, but in reality, they all kind of intersect and work together in my mind. And I think even in the US, I don't think policymakers really grasp, <laughs> grasp yeah. that, what the potential implications could be. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely right that 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 it's looking at a sort of uh, it. It seems like the uh, the policymakers to some extent thinks that we have found the whole the holy grail, which is just some batteries in some cars, and then everything will be good. Right. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it gives me a little bit now. Now back in the early two thousands, I remember the discussion on natural gas, and I, I, you know all the scientific uh, societies saying, "Why why are we betting so much on natural gas? We know it's it's it's, a, it's not." CO2 neutral, and it will only bring us, bring us into a reliance on, on, on parties that we don't want to be reliant on. And, and, and a lot of people said that, and look where we yeah. are today. Uh, yeah. And I, I fear that that, 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 that sort of the, the, the one-eyed focus on only direct ele- ele- electrification could actually bring us in the same situation so, uh, somewhat down the road. Remember, if we hadn't had the ability to ship in liquid fuels, being liquid natural gas or diesel or whatever, Europe would be have, have been a, in a dis- disastrous situation right now. We would be, been have a, a really out of luck, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, so that's what saves us. So if we're not able to ship in liquid e-fuels in the future, we're putting ourselves at so much risk. It, 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 we will, you know, if somebody manages to take out our power lines. 10, 20 years down the road without, and uh, we don't have any e-fuels available to, to, to support. I, I, it, it, it's simply, uh, I don't know how you would resolve it. The society will simply go black. You're not able to drive. You're not able to have any power, you know, you know and, that's, <clears throat> and that's really gambling. So yeah. I think we need to, to, to really to speak out and say, Green transition is one thing. Energy security is something we need to have. Energy security is not only that we're able to have windmills locally. It's also that we have a resilient infrastructure and buffers, energy buffers in the society, and that we're able to trade with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the world when shit hits the fan, so to speak. Right. <laughs> um, so, so, so I think that's an important point we need to get out there and make sure that people really understand. 
And yes, if you're just banning combustion engines that could actually run on methanol, uh, you know, we as fuel cell providers, you know, they are our, our competitors, but they're also our friends, you know, <laughs> to some extent. So we would love to see uh, methanol combustion engine trucks going out there on the highways. Um, we just need to make sure that we find a good way of sort of trading with, you know, CO2. And, and I think it's going to come uh, in any case, you know. It's something we need to be good at handling. Uh, and and it's not the combustion engine in the, it's itself uh, that's, uh, the, that's the enemy here. It's the use of fossil uh, fuels in it. Yeah. So if those, if we ban the use of fossil fuels, that would be much more, you know, uh, or increase the tax with 5% per year, you know, whatever. Uh, so, 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 so gradually you will face it out by means of evolution and not a revolution that sort of set a political scene say, from this year day onwards, it's it's your. I, I would much rather sort of cross Europe, uh, cross uh, across Europe, just increase the the price of fossil energy. Then the market will resolve it. Yeah. So, if, yeah. Mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 of course, under the condition that we build enough renewable power. And uh, then we are coming back to the first. Uh, and I think I'm saying it over and over every time I get the chance to say it. E-fuels, green transition, everything is so reliant and that we put up so much more wind and solar than what we are doing currently. Uh, and, 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 and the biggest threat for, for not working fast enough here is legislation and permits. So, <laughs> so then we are back to the start line. I think that that is the star issue of uh, this year because it's a big issue in Europe and it's a big issue in the U.S. And I actually see and um, have, have written clients about this recently that, you know, if the Europeans, if the EU Commission can really follow through on permitting reform and they can do this fairly quickly and really simplify the process, I think um, that it could really keep, because the concern is about keeping investments in Europe instead of losing them to the U.S. because of the IRA. I don't think you have a good chance of keeping investment in Europe because I don't think the permitting structure in the U.S. is going to get fixed uh, anytime soon. I think there's calls for it. I think there's desires for it. But I think the process by which that gets done is very messy with our uh, political situation here. So if Europe if the Europeans can really move forward on this quickly, I think it could be majorly advantageous for industry um, and for the competitiveness of Europe. So it's just how and the competitiveness in general of the world and and, and growth, yeah. right? Because nothing good really came out of just government subsidies to industry, right? I you know yeah. it's. It, 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 it's not really the way that 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 the world really evolved. It's uh, it's it's to provide the, the, a good framework under which the the industry can work. That's uh, that really makes things scale right. But I think the way the the U.S. implemented the uh, Inflation Reduction Act is, is sort of that was cool, right? So so I was participating on a European investment bank uh, conference here a couple of weeks back. And it was with, with great envy, <laughs> I can say that, you know, how shift, uh, swift and, and, and so forth, those, uh, how should I say, 
you know exactly how long time it will take and what your criteria are to 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 be eligible for for support from the IRA, right? And if you could do something similar uh, on putting our, our energy infrastructure, it will, you know, it will, <laughs> it will move very, very fast, right? So I think it, it was a good inspiration also, and it also kicked Europe, uh, the EU, a little bit under the, the, the knee shield, or whatever, you know, that, 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 that they need to sort of work against uh, bureaucracy. In, uh, to, uh, and, and that's really uh, something that, will, uh, that could enable or uh, um, um, improve the speed of the green transition or also the competitiveness, of course, towards US or any other region. So I think that was, uh, that was good. So fun and last question. What excites you most about this space and why? I think uh, just looking for the last, couple of hundred years we've been relying on the discovery of uh, fossil energy to drive our growth now we're changing that it's the biggest change for the last 200 years since the early 1800s <laughs> you know uh, that we're replacing uh, both conversion in, uh, devices such as combustion engines and also sources of energy and all of that it's, it's sort of a pivotal moment where the uh, humankind is, uh, has the opportunity to continue growth or, or to do the opposite. But, 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 but it's really, if you don't change that now, it's, it, it's, it's sort of, we, are, we have already peaked, right? But, but if we succeed in this transition, then there's infinitive sort of growth potential ahead in the future with the energy being much, much cheaper in the future than it was in the past. I see the, 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 the renewable energy future as being an enabler of much, much lower energy prices than we saw from fossil energy. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's going to be a potential, a new driver looking into, into the 2030s once we got this sort of... Uh, Regional, uh, regionalization stuff that's going on and uh, a lot of other crises we have going on in the 2020s. But I think in the 2030s and beyond, we could really be looking into a new, a new growth area uh, when, once we figure out how to actually build up our future. Well, Anders, thanks so much for coming on the show uh, today. It was a pleasure to have you. Likewise. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Fueling the Future of Transport. This show is hosted and edited by Tammy Klein, produced by Carolyn Schneer, and engineered by Alexander Nikolic. To hear more great episodes of this show, learn more, and sign up for a free bi-weekly newsletter, visit transportenergystrategies.com.